0: And we're live. Welcome back to another episode on Coffee with Craner. I'm your host, Lyndon Crane, joined here today by Chuck Kelly. Chuck Kelly is the CEO, president, and also founding partner of Movati Athletic, uh, a Windsor and Essex-based fitness club that started in Windsor Essex and has expanded across Ontario and is one of Canada's most premier fitness clubs, has 16 locations, over hundred thousand members, and over 1,400 employees that Chuck proudly leads. Uh, gra- glad to have you on the show today, Chuck. Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you, Lyndon, for having me and cheers.
0: Yes. So Chuck, wherever uh, headquarters is located, where would you say, depending on where you're at and where you're working from, I know there's many locations in Ontario, where would you say is your favorite place to grab a cup of coffee?
1: Uh, probably the Tim Hortons in atmosphere or the coffee and company. One of the two.
0: Yes. That is that's definitely a fan favorite in in Amherstburg. What do you take in your coffee, Chuck? Uh, single cream, single cream, keeping it simple
1: for sure. No, I, I, I weaned myself off of sugar.
0: Would you say you drink it often? Is that your go-to every morning?
1: Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I do now. I, I never drank it for years. And as a, when I was a paramedic, I couldn't stay up one night, and somebody conned me into drinking a cup, and I, I really didn't like it, but it worked. It kept me up, and ever since then, I've been hooked.
0: <laughs> well, well, me too. And um, again, thanks for being here. And let's let's first talk about how did Movati Athletic first start, Chuck?
1: So Movati Athletic, as the name is now, start started in Windsor on Walker Road. It moved to Cabana and Dougal. It was called Total Family Fitness or Total Fitness. Um, At that point, when we were moving to London, um, Bally's Victani had changed their name to Bally's Total Fitness, and we were advised we should change our name. We changed our name to The Athletic Club when we left um, Windsor to go towards London. And when we got to Ottawa, we got uh, a lawsuit over the name The Athletic Club. That lawsuit um, resulted in us no longer being able to use the name so Malvati came out of that so we could trademark something that was unique.
0: And that's a big transition. I mean, going from one club and uh, in Windsor and now at 16, how did you make that first step into branching it out and, and starting to build the organization?
1: So after the first one and we felt it was successful, we uh, ventured and we were excited about trying a second club to put what we learned from the first one. Into the second one and hopefully build a better club um, along the way. The one thing we did realize along the way was you needed great people. We we realized that early on. And so recruiting and retaining um, amazing teammates was a, a priority. And another thing I would you know um, recommend to anybody who's has the idea of opening their own business is to keep a journal of every step of the venture. So it could be from your first step to going to City Hall to see about permits or or licensing and, and make sure you keep a diary of that because it will later become your NCO, like your, your new club playbook, we'll call it. Um, and that is critically important when you want to scale. So how do you do it? How do you replicate what you created in the first one? into the second one without giving up or, or creating a lesser, um, service or product.
0: Definitely. If you don't mind me asking, how did you, from one club really scale? Like, how did you find that capital to grow the business?
1: So originally the first clubs were built on our houses. So our houses were the capital and we fronted the money, put our business cases together with the demographics and the numbers and went to the bank and got funding. The second club was a little easier because we had our, our first club was still generating capital and money. So the bank was a little bit, would stretch our ability to get capital on the second one. And then that just kept growing. growing. At the beginning, I tell every entrepreneur, you better be prepared to put your personal guarantees forward because that's going to be critical for the bank or any other lending institution in that process. And what,
0: from starting it out to one to now 16 locations and um, another one coming soon, how did you, like what was the most difficult part of that?
1: Uh, you know what, The probably after four it got, because it, you couldn't manage it as easily. So then you had to we had to figure out how to build out a a management team or, or a support structure for the clubs. So in the beginning we were the general managers of the clubs and we ran them sold the memberships and then we trained our successors. And then as we grew the business, it's having the force the the forethought or the the to think through what you're gonna need to support those clubs so that the weight of what you built doesn't break underneath your support system, you know, and many times that's, I've watched businesses grow and scale. That's where they, they kind of hit a tipping point where they can't manage it all themselves and they need to get more um, professional management underneath to help scale it. So your training, your L and D, your learning and development, all your recruitment, all of those key factors you need for a growth engine, you need to build in house and create all the material that goes along with uh, scaling. So, so the L and D department built out all the training manuals. They they built out a schedule. They, we built out recruitment processes for each position and best practices. And again, that's where I go back to the very first business you open whatever it is it could be online could be bricks and mortar make sure you keep a diary of the stages and when you go back to try to think through to build that playbook for the second one it'll jog your memory and it'll you'll be a lot farther ahead in your in your second unit or or the extra growth into another location
0: That's, that's a very interesting point. And you're using that playbook that you mentioned. Is that what you use to, so you're expanding out to your 16th club, you refer to that playbook and you use it as a tool to jot, you know, um, refresh and get a refresh on what you did the first time.
1: So each one, once you publish a date into our new club opening book or playbook, it publishes dates forward of, of key events based on the timeline that you, you put in and, it keeps you on track. So are you going to hire your manager on time? Did you apply for your permit for the cafe and in the club? Did you, are all those steps happening and are we missing anything? And, and are they happening quick enough so that at the end you're not caught behind, but it it was a key actually that, you know, we were talking earlier about the mayor of Amsburg, Aldo. it's his brother that runs our playbook. um, And he's got, um, it's great skills at, at, task mastering, I call it.
0: And, and like, uh, the mayor's brother, how do you find those great people in your organization?
1: You know, you know, I, I, I've read a few, um, uh, business books, but I've really been of the belief and it's not mine. It's, it's shared by many find great people who care and put them into a position and you can teach them often what they need. know about what you need from them but you can't teach them to care right like that's a unique quality i don't know if your parents teach it to you, you're born with it but caring whether you did you do a great job caring whether your job's complete is to a high level is something that i look for in people and i've been very fortunate to be surrounded by amazing people
0: and how do you really make your? You talked about caring. How do you make your employees really care about what they're the work that they're doing?
1: I, I well, that's another good question, Lyndon. I don't think you can teach them it, but I think you can find something they're passionate about, and then you bring it out. It comes out naturally in them, and then your company and your teammates and your members or your clients you're servicing benefit from that passion. Um, you know, I, I've never not wanted to get up even during this COVID and go to work and, and I call it work, but go to, to my office to work with the teams to make our clubs a better place. And, and so I think you succeed when you get a group of people who love what they do every day.
0: And we do have a question that came in, Chuck, um, relating to uh, your passion for your business. Um, this person on YouTube asks, what inspired you to start your business?
1: Well, I always knew I wanted to own my own business. And when I met my partners from the beginning and, and we decided to start scaling and opening businesses, um, what got me into fitness was I just loved the industry. So I have two favorite jobs. You're from Amherstburg, so you'll understand. I loved working at Boblo. And I loved working in the fitness business because there were upbeat, positive atmospheres. People were there for a positive reason and you could make change in their lives. I, I found paramedicine interesting and and for four or five years it was engaging, but it's not as positive as environment to, you know, be in every day. And you're often not being able to help people or, I thought the fitness business you could be more proactive in helping them on their health journey and and have fun doing it too.
0: Definitely and I I um I didn't have the chance to go to Bablo, but um that's I mean that's a- amazing that you that you work there it's a great piece of history and not many people can say they they worked on on Boblo Island. Um mm-hmm. how do you create that positive atmosphere that you just talked about uh in your organization?
1: So Early on, we thought we had to take care of our members, and we did, like as it was our mantra, but we started to realize early on it was our teammates that were going to take care of the members, and we needed to learn to support them better. So if you ask me how you can create that atmosphere, it's by being very supportive to your team and that's working with you and pushing that your values forward and living them. So you're working alongside them. You're – helping them deal with difficult situations you're training them you're mentoring them and they're doing something they passionately love right like it it is a fun industry like not right now i'm not going to tell you in this covid cycle but it has been a, a very um rewarding career
0: so reflecting back on the multiple i mean huge huge fitness club that you've built uh, what has been, you know, your, your fondest memory, something that you, um, really look back on you're super, you know, proud of.
1: Uh, you know what? I, I, I think for me, it, it was when we took the old work building and it was a squash court and racquetball court. And we designed a, a more modern facility with a lot of daylight and we sketched it on, a. A napkin at uh at uh god i'm trying to think of the name of the the restaurant bar it's still there shooters um and we took that drawing to somebody of what we sketched and they they put it into um into drawings with an architect and it came to life and and you know i really do like the design end but i i really enjoy now watching people grow in the business so many people like Gino's brother started and he worked at the front desk in Amsburg, then he moved up. And you get to see that that their great talents be rewarded is to grow inside the company. And there's so many people like that who started um, at the front desk and, and now they're leading departments.
0: No, that's great that you really have that development in your organization, providing those different support systems for your employees. And uh, I can't believe the business really started on a napkin. Uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a great story.
1: Yeah.
0: Do you still have that napkin?
1: It is somewhere in, in in the house for sure.
0: That's great. You should you should frame it or something. That's that's a a great story. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, but but Chuck, what would you say? um, is the biggest factor in creating a business that will last.
1: Well, first, you know, I saw that this is a good question. So one of the things that perplexes me, especially with bricks and mortars, sometimes people put a business and it could be a great idea, but they did not put it demographically where it needs to be like, and that I would tell you, you can change a lot of things about your business when it's bricks and mortar, but you can't change the address easily. Like it's an irreversible decision, especially for us with the clubs we built. So that's where it starts. And then it's a culture. And I've, I've been very fortunate, like I said, to be surrounded, you know, we're, I'm in Amherstburg, but I have a large team in Toronto that is led by our, our COO and our, our, our people in culture and my chief financial officer. And they're, they, are the heart of the company now the heartbeat and they keep that I i call it our our mantra or our like our culture is is kept alive by by the team because we all share it from the top down and you know right now is a very difficult time in our industry like as it is for many so i'm not and i'm most proud that they just keep delivering on whatever gets thrown at them so You know, kudos. So if you're the biggest factor in creating your business that will last is a culture, right? You know, once you get past where you're going to have your site, because I would tell you hands down, you can do a lot of things right. If you screw that up, you're you can't pick it up and move it easily. So that would be the first step.
0: (laughs) And just because it's the uh, the club in Windsor opened very recently, and you did mention uh, about the location, why did you choose uh, to put your $20 million fitness club uh, just right about Division Road? What was kind of the big key components in, in picking that location?
1: So when we do our demographics and we our drive times and our studies, we look at incomes, age, um, and draw times. So you can think of it in kilometers, which many do, or distances but it's really a drive time. So we do our drive time studies and then we decide if there's enough people in that region. We, we wanted to come back to Windsor. I mean, it's where we started the clubs. We were just waiting for the right time. And there was a opening in, we lost a, a club, our site in Oakville and Toronto area. And this site was available. So we, we picked it up and filled it in and, you know, Many people in the area hadn't realized how bigger company had got since they last saw us, you know, in winter. So it was, I'm not going to lie to you, it was a pretty proud moment to to come home, you know, for myself. And uh, there's still one partner with me, Rick, Rick Cannell. And I know for Rick, it was a proud moment to come home.
0: Definitely. And if there are folks watching, you have to check out, um, I mean the location in Amherstburg, but of course, as well as Windsor. Um, one thing that caught my attention is just like the overall interior and exterior of this building, um, $20 million right on division road. Um, Chuck, I mean, it's incredible. Like the entire layout is just, it's just amazing. Um, so I, I totally agree. And I understand why you're so proud of that. Uh, and I I think I need to definitely address the elephant in the room and I, it would be the wrong time if I didn't, uh covid's definitely been a challenge for a lot of um fitness clubs um i guess what's been the biggest challenge for from covid for your business and how are you you know fighting that challenge
1: so the biggest problem i think it presents is the people side. um so i know people talk about losses and you know it's not a good time to be in business but What's been more impacted are the great people that work in our industry, not just for Malati. I fight for my team every day, trying to get them to understand what we've been doing is we've been doing it safely, but this has impacted so many people like it, with their certainty of their day to day, like, are they going to reopen? Are they going to have group fitness? Am I going to get closed down again? Am I Like those questions. So trying to keep, connected to my team, we've been making phone calls. We've constantly PNC, people of culture have been connected, but we have been trying to have outreach to our teams because obviously when, not obviously, but when you get locked down in the gym business and they close you, you go to a zero revenue position because you stop billing your clients. So it's an incredibly difficult position for businesses to be in for prolonged periods which has been happening across the province and country and world. So I'm not, I don't feel I'm in this alone, but the hardest part about getting through this is watching and trying to fight for your teams. And I'm not alone. So I, I don't, I fight with many people on my team with the government and trying to get our voice heard and I'll share with you. And then we've had, as of Monday or Sunday night, we had 903, thousand visits to Mobadi in Ontario since we opened. They have not, and there has been no health unit that has brought to our attention any spread from working out at Mobadi, any COVID being spread person to person. So we're just trying to get in front of the government and say, we can do this safely. We're not asking to stay open in a dangerous environment or put anybody at risk. And here's our data to prove that it's working, right? So that that's been a lot of what I've been up to in the last few months, um, along with you know dealing with banks and and partners and 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 take care of our team. is our number one priority. So, um, Kate, Sandra, Susan, Julie, the team, um, my team, they've been amazing and and uh, nonstop, like. Uh, I have a joke, and I don't think it really is that a month of COVID is worth a year of business in the normal time frame. So, you know, I, I'm incredibly proud of uh, the team, but but I I would would like to put this message out there. It's Christmas. Remember it, it, this holiday, just to be kind when you're in any retail business, because those people are struggling with the same things that everyone's facing and that certainty and taking out your frustration or being, you know, non-compliant with masks or it's just not, it's not worth it. And please, you know, be kind like this holiday season because there's everyone struggling. No one's alone, you know, in this.
0: Definitely Chuck. It's- I, I can't imagine what you're going through and uh, kudos to you for keeping your team, um, together. And I've seen many virtual lessons on, on Movadi's page that are happening and you've definitely tried to pivot, um, when lockdowns do happen. And, uh, no, I, 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 really, I, I'm not a business owner, so I don't understand what you're going through, but you are right. Supporting local is huge in our, in our region and across, across the world, frankly. Um, but we do have a couple of questions here, Chuck, that I, uh, sure. I want to run by you. Um, do you plan to expand internationally um, after significant expansion in, let's say, the west of Canada? Um, Satavik uh, Saha, just asked that question.
1: We have been uh, looking in the U.S. Um, COVID kind of slowed that up, but, but I have been down in the U.S. market looking. Um, we had been approached or what would be considered outside of North America to design clubs for certain markets. But I, you know, I didn't want to stretch too far We're, you know, grow at a pace that you can keep, don't get too far out front of your skis is the old saying, I think, so you don't flip over. Um, and when we picked, so Mobadi took on a private equity partner five years ago now. And we picked a company that had a track record with health clubs. They had helped build Lifetime Fitness, which is a big US fitness chain. And uh so I thought they could bring us the skill set it would take to scale on a larger format. So that's you know, we 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 do plan on expanding. I, I'm not gonna tell you I can sign a lease for a while with with the market the way it is right now. So but we are still looking. And
0: would you open I guess would you open a business during covid? Would you open if you if those were your plans, would you open up another location during covid or do you think you'd you'd
1: wait it out? Well, I mean, we opened Windsor during covid. The club actually opened it was August 20th, I believe or 21st. Um and Windermere, which is in uh, Edmonton is being built and it will open in uh, July of 2021. And we are negotiating leases, not signing them, um, but so we can stay ahead of the game. So Lyndon, when, when I start building or looking at a site, it takes about two and a half years from that date to get it built, construction drawings. Like when you work backwards, negotiate a lease, like all of those steps, it's about two and a half years. It once in a while you get maybe a, ye- a year and a half. It can happen, but it it's hard to get one. Like it's like I said, it's two two and a half year process all all day long. That's why we're still looking because if we stop completely, we're slowing our growth. Which I want to pause the growth for a short period while we get through this COVID. And then start growing again. And I do want to bring it to America. Part of me wants to see Movati in the US.
0: Well, we have uh Leslie Ben says, How about South Africa?
1: Yeah. Uh, Leslie's awesome. <laughs> That's Leslie's home country, though. Leslie works with us. And I I it's never off the table, Leslie. Awesome. It, Leslie brings all the group fitness live online that you watch.
0: Yes. I've been watching that. It's, it's uh, a great interaction that you're doing, especially when there's those uh, where you have to close up the business and you're able to still connect with your membership. Um, no, that's great. Thanks for jumping on, Leslie. Uh, we do have another question. How did you come up with the name of Movadi? What is the meaning behind it?
1: Okay. I, I, I'll tell you the real story, but <laughs> because it no one would believe it if I didn't. I mean, we, so when we got sued, I told you we lost the ability to use the athletic club. So we had to pick up another name. We picked a company to work with us out of Montreal named LG2. They came down to Caesars Windsor in the boardroom, and they had all these names on the wall. But they don't show you logos or anything. They're just font, and so nothing can look different. And it wasn't Mavati. When they posted it, it was M-I-V-A-T-I, Maviti. And I had my cu- my laptop and I Googled it and, it and it meant it was a chicken virus, I believe. And I said, what the heck are you putting on that wall? Like I said, I don't want people to call this a chicken virus. And some one of my partners was in the room and said, when I was, we just changed the I to the O, it looks a bit like movement and motivation. And that's where it was born. And then they brought the logo and, you know, the fonts and, and the branding material to life. But at the time it was just script on a piece of paper with, then they had about 16 different names we, we could choose from.
0: Well, <laughs> no, that's good that it's not a, definitely not a chicken virus.
1: No. Uh, <laughs> and we needed a name that you could patent, right? Like trademark. Yes. So you, you, you really have to almost create your own name in this world. Cause people have trademarked everything. If mm-hmm. it's a, A name they pretty much bought it up, so that's how it came up. And I mean, it's grown on me. At the beginning, it's like renaming a child after 16 years, because that's how old we were about when it happened—16, 17 years old. It was difficult, but then it became. Now I never say the Athletic Club unless somebody says, "Were you guys the Athletic Club before?" And then it rings in my head that, "Oh yeah, that's us." (laughs) So
0: yeah. it's definitely a, <laughs> a, a unique name and some, something not everyone would think of, and uh, it's it's catchy. Uh, if you do have time, Chuck, we do have a couple more questions, if that's okay.
1: Sure, by your way.
0: So, um, Artem Abra- uh, Abramov, I apologize if I pronounced your name wrong. Uh, how will this pandemic impact Movadi's adoption of new technologies? Is there a plan to expand on at-home workouts or engagements outside of gyms?
1: So we have our team led by Kate on this. Um, The COO has been investigating a format for us to bring live studio classes out to our membership. And we're doing it now, but on a more um, scaling it up. So that it, it's a more of a production, you know, the team's doing an amazing job. That's I first want to get that out. They're, they what they put out is amazing. It, it happened within days of us closing. They Leslie and the team of our GFIs, our group Fitness, got in there and they brought My body to life. Now, we're just trying to find a format that we can use our club with studios, and we will be bringing um, more fitness on I call it remote fitness we'll call it right whether that be personal training or um, or for our GFIs our group fitness classes and one of the problems with technology is it's when you for us our main technology is our server for for our membership base and it's not that friendly right now it doesn't communicate with other Forms of devices, right? whether it's our app or or different technology, and that that's been for many businesses that's that's the what seems easy isn't as easy sometimes as it looks from the outside. So it's a good question. We are expanding technology.
0: definitely not as easy as it looks on the on the outside. much. I imagine countless hours have gone into this business, Chuck.
1: Yes, for sure.
0: So next question comes from Nicole. It says, with a lot of this year focused on retaining existing members, how are you focused on expanding and growing memberships in the years to come when people might be a bit worried about coming back?
1: So what what we've done is we've been studying our membership base, um, who left because of COVID, who canceled, who put the membership on freeze, Who's coming in and how can we best make them create an environment they feel comfortable to come back to? So, Lyndon, one of the things that's the unique, great things about our clubs now is we've we've had amazing teammates. Our buildings took time to catch up and they're still trying to catch up, but our buildings have gotten better. So when you come into a Maladi and you take, I'll give you the spin room. We designed that spin room for the purpose that's happening. What does that mean? We said, there's gonna be 45 bikes in here. You're gonna create this many heat units, this much respiration is gonna come out. You're gonna exhale this much CO2. How do we ventilate this room to keep it fresh and for our customers? So our spin rooms exchange the total tidal volume of air in that room eight times an hour. So every seven and a half minutes, we're exchanging every cubic meter of air in that room. In this new world where people are worried about pandemics or, or viruses, the, when it, viruses aerosolize, the, the combat against it is fresh air. So we're cycling fresh air into that room at an accelerated rate. And our ceiling heights are extremely high in our clubs. So they create more tidal volume of air So if you're thinking when you listen to them on the TV and you're listening about viral load, viral load can build in an air and think you're in your basement, Lyndon. And I'm just going to use, I'll use cigarette, but maybe they're smoking a joint. Somebody smoking something in the corner. You can smell it in that house forever. Like you can, because you've got low ceilings and you've got poor air ventilation. That would be a spot that would be risky, but Movati, as we move forward, are big open spaces with great ventilation, amazing teams of people who love what they do, keep and create a great atmosphere and keep the club clean. I I think Movati is poised to take advantage of to be the club where people know that maybe they didn't value some of those things in the past as much as they should have but now they're going to. So can I go to the gym down the street for, I want, I'm not saying it to pick on it, but a $10 product, or am I going to go somewhere where, you know, I get more for my money and it, and it's clean. And I value um, the service and the, and the atmosphere that they create.
0: Definitely. And, and thanks to Cole for, I think that's a really great question for many of us. It's going to be difficult getting back into reality, but, Chuck, just like he said, there's so many different things that, uh, his organization's doing that, um, I imagine many are going to look at and and try to, uh, duplicate it in their business to make sure it's, um, safe for everyone. Uh, Chuck, I do want to say a sincere thank you for taking your, um, your Tuesday night to join me on the show. There's so many great people from your team that have popped on Natasha, uh, Kalsa, uh, Jordan, so many other Chris, uh, Christine, they really enjoy your leadership and, uh, I can tell that they look up to you and enjoy working on your team. So Chuck, a sincere thank you. It's great what you've accomplished. And I definitely look up to it. Um, please stay safe and we'll, we'll see you on the next episode.
1: Thank you, Linda. Have a good evening and thank you everybody for tuning in. If you had questions, I appreciate it.
0: Awesome. Thanks,
1: Chuck. Have a great night, everyone. Thank you.